You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. Beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You goddamn right, I do. One chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore. You are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. It's called Pirate Radio. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hard true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, uh, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzberg. I'm totally gonna use that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to At The Diner, the flagship podcast for our GGR Pirate Radio Network. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am the editor-in-chief of our website. It is greatgeekrefuge.com. Check it out. There's lots of great written content there, lots of great podcasts, all sorts of things to keep you entertained for days and days and days to come. Joining me on this wonderful podcast that we have, I have the co-host. In fact, he is not just a co-host. He's got his own show. It is right now the most popular content we have on the website. Uh, His name is MC Brooks. Shout out to everyone participating in Black Fay Day today, by the way. Yeah, I was I was seeing posts about that a little bit. I mean, is it is it literally as basic as it sounds in in the in the description? It is just a a chance for anybody who is into the essentially like fairy culture um, to kind of cosplay. Yeah, to to dress up, uh, show off your original characters. That's awesome. That is really cool. So yeah, definitely happy Black Fay Day to all those out there who are celebrating. Uh, in co-host seat number two, you know her, you love her. She is one of our editors on the website. Uh, in fact, she has a new project coming up here that I got to be part of. I am super psyched for all of you guys to hear it. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but her name is Mariah Beachboard. Hey guys, I'm here for the snacks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've also got our very, very special guest. Uh, she is an author of a graphic novel. I wouldn't, you can't even say comic because I feel like there's so much more to this. This is such a deep world. Like the way you were describing it in our uh, cold open, it's almost like D&D in a way in the sense that it has this very, very deep world. There's maps. There's so much more going on to this than just the basic like, hey, here's some action going on in a in a pretty colorful book. Uh, her name is Emily Witten. The book is called The Underfoot. You guys can check it out at her website. It is uh, The Emily S. So that's uh, T-H-E-E-M-I-L-Y-E sse.com you can pick up those books there her name is emily witten Woo! <laughs> <laughs> i also want to make a big shout out to with emily uh when it comes to the geeky nerdy things the things that we talk about on this podcast i would say like 
if I ever needed somebody that I had to defer to as far as knowledge, we call Rambo the professor because of his vast knowledge when it comes to comic uh, lore and, and those sorts of things. Emily, I think you would also have tenure in our fake comic college that we are <laughs> passing out professorships to. So. Oh my gosh, I, thank you for that. I think in some areas I would be like your PhD and in other areas I would be sitting in the back of the classroom raising my hand and going, wait, tell me more about that. That sounds really cool. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. I am a super, super nerd geek, whatever you want to call it, about stuff. And then so some of it I know a lot and some of it I'm just like skimming the surface, but I love all of it, basically. That's, I think that's a really, really good description for, I think almost all of us. Like <laughs> there there are certain things, like if somebody was like, hey, do you like Doctor Who? I'd be like, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. But like if they started asking me questions about it, I'd be like, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't know. I, I, I've <laughs> oh. only seen a few episodes. I know it's really cool. I just haven't gotten into it yet. I did, uh, I was talking in the cold open about the, the sartorial geek. I, I'm, I'm name checking them a lot, so hooray. Um, they're doing fashion prompts this week and the Monday one was Monday or Mutant Monday and I did a Deadpool themed outfit and somebody uh, messaged me, one of my friends, and was like, but is Deadpool a mutant or a mutate? And without even having to like fact check myself, I wrote back and I was like, well, technically he's a mutate because he got his genes from Wolverine, you know, like, <laughs> so it's like wow. on some things I'm super solid and on other things I'm like, let me, let me see that, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I have a uh, I have a pair of uh, Cyclops uh, from the X Men uh, glasses. They look exactly like his visor. And somebody was like, "Oh, we should have a college day at work." And you know, you dress up with like your favorite college gear. And I don't really have any college sweatshirts or t-shirts or anything like that. So um, I just went with a blue t-shirt and I wore those. And they're like, "Mike, it's college day." I was like, "Yeah, I went to the Xavier Institute for the gifted." <laughs> And like a couple people got it, and a couple people just kind of looked at me, and they're like, "I don't understand." And like a couple people were like, "Nice, dude." I was like, "Thank you." I love it. that. That's fantastic. I think that's totally valid. I agree, right? Yeah, exactly. Don't uh, you can't. If my work ever did, I mean, obviously, when we're in the office again, hopefully, if my work ever did a like geek fandom day, I would be so set. Um, and I think the head of our office is like a big Harry Potter fan. So every now and again, she comes out with Harry Potter facts that surprise like people. They're like, oh, I didn't know you were so into that. You know, so like, I think some of us would be like, surprise, this is our whole yeah. wardrobe and we're not at work. <laughs> I um, I ran into, okay, so the the industry that I work in, I'm not gonna not gonna name drop it. We've, we've, we've kept it quiet for, for the entire seven years I've been doing this. So we're gonna keep that going. Um, it, it tends to breed a lot of nerds and geeks anyways. And one of the, like, vice president of operations, like, way above my head, somebody, like, that makes a lot more money than I do, was in the office one day, and I was wearing, I have a Star Trek shirt that has the Enterprise, but the warp signature that's coming out is a rainbow. <laughs> and she walked by me and she goes, nice, live long and prosper, and did the salute to me. And I was just like, oh, snap, <laughs> she's a Trekkie too. And we, like, started talking about it a little bit, and... I didn't want to say anything at first. I was just like, oh, thank you. And she's like, I love the shirt. Oh, my God, yada, yada, yada. And she went on and told me the story that um, her little sister, when they were both young, got severely injured in a car accident. It was in the hospital for, like, weeks. And what she would do is she would go and she would sit with her little sister, and they would recite all of the lines from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, my like, gosh. 
they, that's how he kept how she kept her sane. Basically, she was saying that they would just go back and forth and read the line and like and just say the lines to each other. And I was like, that is the coolest story I've ever heard. I was like, I thought I was the only dork that knew all of the lines to Star Trek to the Rathacon. <laughs> and she was like, no, no, I know them too. I was like, I probably know all the ones to search for Spock too. And she's like, yeah, but we don't talk about that. I do too. But <laughs> yeah. So I I love that like, and that's something we talked about um, recently too. I'm starting to notice that like the geeky nerdy thing is like bleeding over into the corporate world too, because now it's become more acceptable. And like, you're, you're seeing all of these people who are like captains of industry who are now just like, Oh, by the way, definitely have a Lego Lego slave one on my desk at work. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, this, this will work. I I think a lot of people have, have always been interested in this kind of thing, but especially as you say, in the corporate world, like, you know, as an attorney in my other life, like you don't wear it to work. Oh, there was a great uh, one of the we got this um, podcast shouting out another podcast that I love. Um, there's a we got this episode that had Mark Evan Jackson on, on it, and they were talking about how he's a, a boating enthusiast because it was related to a question about clothing. And he's like, "Well, I do like boats. We don't wear clothes about them, <laughs> you know." And it's like in the corporate world, I don't wear clothes about my fandoms most of the time, but then every now and again there's an opportunity to be outside of your regular work clothes and then you can you know kind of let that fly that that geek flag fly but i think it is bleeding over more and i think in like team builders or social activities you discover these things about your coworkers, and you're kind of like oh i didn't know that that's so yeah. cool <laughs> yeah it, it does become kind of a bonding thing too where like mm-hmm. um you make references to things and somebody else gets it and you're like okay we can be friends all right, yeah. this will work out. Yep. So, Emily, let's talk business for a moment here. All right. <laughs> Again, since not everybody uh, subscribes to the Patreon and gets the cold opens, which, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, you totally should. Um, it's only $5, and you can get these extra episodes as well for free. Well, the, I guess the $5 is like the entry fee. Suppose it's like, it's like getting into a concert, you know? Like, you get the music for free after you pay for admission. Um we talked about this a little bit. First off, again, too, I'm I'm super impressed with the work that you're doing with this because so often people come up with creative ideas, but then never like see it through. And like you've seen this through in a way that like most other people would only dream of doing. So I'm super impressed with the work you're doing. Thank Tell you. us a little about what's going on with the underfoot because now we're into into book two. And then I know that Mariah has a bunch of questions because she just got to read. Uh, the first issue. So I'll hand the mic over to her. But then I also know that MC has read it as well. So any questions that you guys have, you guys can jump in as well. But kind of give us an update. Like, what's going on with this? How is, how uh, like, what's the um, reception been for book two so far? Like, where are you guys at with this? Are, are you guys going to, do you have anything on the horizon for, like, uh, cons coming up or anything like that? Yeah, well, um, so if, for people who haven't ever heard of this before, it's called The Underfoot. That's the graphic novel series. And two books have come out. Um, April of 2019 and April of 2021, as in just a couple, three weeks ago, um, the books came out. So the first one is The Underfoot, The Mighty Deep. And that one is about a group of intelligent hamsters with special skills who live in the DC area, uh, incidentally where I reside. And um, so there may be some things based on my experiences and uh, things I'm aware of. And um, these hamsters live in a post-apocalyptic world. So all the humans or the giants that were have disappeared and they have to, the hamsters have to kind of um, survive in a world with other intelligent species of animals and with no humans, but they've also got some of the technology and science that humans left behind, although their understanding of it sometimes is imperfect. 
So the first group, the Hamster Aquatic Mercenaries, or HAM, uh, have special swimming and diving and water abilities. And I'm going to, just because we, we have to, to talk about book two, I'm going to minor spoiler the fact that in book one we meet another group of hamsters who end up being called the uh, Hamster Airborne Paratroopers, or HAP, and they have abilities and skills and um, phys uh, physical characteristics that are associated more with things like uh, uh, gliding and parachuting, and they, they have their drones. Uh, as, as Ben said, my co-creator and co-writer of the book, um, in book two, we went a little steampunk. So, <laughs> so we have this, uh, you know, these, these two books about these hamsters. The new one that just came out is called The Underfoot Into the Sun. And um, basically book one focuses on the ham. And book two, you see the ham again, but then this new group, the hap, you see a lot more about their way of life, which differs in some ways from the, the ham's way of life. Um, and you do in fact meet other animals as well. Um, the, some of the adversaries and allies are, you know, like you've got cats and you've got lizards and you've got badgers and you've got beavers and you've got turtles and you've got all kinds of you know, snakes, all kinds of things. So that's basically uh, an overview of the books. And then in terms of book two, um, as I mentioned in the cold open, you know, it's a little strange having a book come out during a pandemic. Uh, our, our artist, Michelle Wen, um, which is spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N, -E in case you want to look her up and her amazing art. Um, she posted a thing that someone else had posted where it has that little dog with all the flames around it. And, you know, the dog's usually saying, this is fine. So in this one, it was just the, the little cartoon dog with all the flames sitting at its computer. And then the next frame was like, so I have a book coming out in 2021 or 2020 and 2021, you know, like, <laughs> like how do you promote your book? in the middle of a pandemic when for the most part we haven't been able to go to conventions or activities where we would usually uh at least the the creators you know often are at comic cons at artist alley or on panels talking about our work and it's so it's very strange and you also don't get uh, fan interactions the same way or interested you know uh interested possible fan interactions or people listening to you on panels and it's a hard to gauge like people keep asking me like like friends like oh how's the book doing and i'm like uh <laughs> i hope it's doing well but uh as i mentioned uh the first week that it came out i had a little percent off deal in my online store on my website the emily e s s e it's the emily s e s s e is the how you spell the s because it's like my middle initial um and uh at dot com and um, on that sale, like I did have a number of people order from me. So it felt like, ooh, the book is coming out because there was this little, uh, you know, rush of orders and I got to like bundle up stuff and send it out to people and it, have a little bit of that fun of like, you know, personally sending people the book as you would personally sell them the book at a convention. Um, and then I was looking up the first or second book just to grab a link somewhere. And I discovered that a bunch of people had been reviewing it on Goodreads um, because, of course, our publisher, Oni Press, uh, had sent, you know, like pre uh, like review copies out. But I had, you know, all of that is kind of in the ether right now. And so I didn't think about it. And I like then pulled it up and I was like, oh, there's a bunch of reviews. Look at that. And I mean, for the most part, they're very positive. And some people have even hit on what we really hoped would happen. Which is that, um, and I don't, I don't read reviews all the time, you know, but sometimes you come across them. And I had seen a few for book one where it was like, 
Well, this is really interesting, but they, why didn't they go into, you know, the ethical question of human experimentation on animals? Why didn't they go into this and that? And, you know, as the creator of the thing or co-creator, you want to say, well, we have three books at least to do this. So there's a reason we didn't do all of it at once. You know, it's, and I'm one of those people who hates exposition heavy, like just tell you everything when you could in fact develop a story and show it to people. And so I did enjoy that in some of the reviews I've seen, people are saying, I'm really starting to see how much deeper the world goes and, you know, like a, a, a bigger overall like pattern for what's happening and stuff like that, because that's what we've intended since the beginning. But, uh, you know, with a first book of a series, you have to both grab people's attention and want them to and get them to enjoy it enough that they want to read more and not dump everything into book one of a multi-part series. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, for sure. So it's got to be it's got to be exciting for you to be reading these things. And they're like, well, why haven't they gone into this? And you're just like, <laughs> just wait, it's coming. You know, I have a problem with those critics because I only read the first book and I am so freaking impressed by the way you guys handled the exposition. It was so much fun because you are bringing us along, but you've got these whole pages with all of these notes that were saved, mm -hmm. I guess. And it's, it, I, I think you guys did a brilliant job. So poo poo on the critics. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you so much for that because that is one of my favorite parts of these books. As I said, I'm not an exposition, you know, heavy, like just dump it all on people kind of person. And neither is Ben. Um, you know, so we, we're in agreement on the way we wanted it to develop, but those interstitial pages are some of my favorite things in the book because yes. it allows us to, in story, tell people a lot more than you actually need for the main adventure story, but it infuses the main adventure story with a lot more depth. So like, well, you know, the scientists are characters like you've yes. got that, like the whole limericks yeah. thing cracked me up. <laughs> that was a bad note. I will I will full credit to Ben on that one. Um, but it actually I'm going to spoil something that I don't think I've spoiled on any podcast before, but we did send it out this year. So it's not a secret anymore. In the first book, the uh, the map, the map of the of the world that's in the beginning of the book actually does have secret information <gasps> that really? you can find by using an ultraviolet light. <gasps> and yeah, during the pandemic, um, so, so there's a little story to this. So we thought of this in book one, we asked our publisher, Lion Forge, and our editor if we could do it, and they, they scrounged up the funds for it and said we could, and we did. So there are three bits of hidden information or hidden reference in the in the little you know the little first map there of the of the little world map, um, which is a map of the DC area, and um, so cool. and so you know we didn't want to tell anybody at first. We were like, well, let's see if anyone can figure this out. And that one that one reference to looking for like limericks is actually a reference to the fact that there's this invisible ink in the maps, but you know, it, it's not necessarily something you would necessarily like discover on your own. So during the pandemic, Michelle put together some activity pages um, where she took some of her art and did like uh, line drawing, coloring pages and stuff like that. And she, we were talking about it and she had sent that to us and Oni and we were like, oh, hey. And she, she was like, hey, we could make some free activities for people during the pandemic. And that was a great idea. So she put together 
some additional activities out of her art. And then Ben did a kind of wrote, write your own adventure, additional thing that only is, is in this little activity book. And then I wrote up this, the science experiment of making this UV light uh, out of a flashlight and some colored markers. Um, <laughs> brilliant. That is so brilliant. Well, thank you. I mean, so this, so this is the kind of thing that makes us happy. <laughs> and then when people say, hey, that's brilliant, that makes us really happy because it means your kindred spirits who also appreciate this kind of like insane, deep detail that we do. Well, um, I've, I've just texted my entire household asking if we have an ultraviolet light in the house. <laughs> I, I actually think the best way to do it is uh, with the flashlight activity. And that that I'll have to look and see where Oni has it right now because they, they did some stuff to their website and it might not be as easy to find as it was. But the whole activity book is free. And so um, I have links to it that I can provide for, you know, when you guys post this, but also Oni should have it on their website, or if not, I'll see if they can add it back. Um, so you can get the little write-up. It's like a two-page like thing that talks about the experiment, but it's super simple because you just need a regular like LED flashlight, some clear packing tape, and blue and red markers, and maybe purple. And so it's like you basically just do this thing with the coloring and the tape, and then it, it comes out as like a, it makes a UV light. Um, so wow. yeah, but that's, that's one of those details that we threw in where it's funny, but also there's a reason for it. And, uh, and that's really a lot of what we like to write in there. Some of the stuff is just background information and some of it is deeper references to, um, you know, you said the humans in it are characters. One of them is named after my boss. Um, <laughs> shout out to my boss, who's now a recurring character in my in my uh, in our in our series. And one is named after a college roommate who is currently still a scientist, um, doing a different kind of science than is in the book. But still, she was a consultant for a little question I had during book one. Um, one is my cousin, who's an engineer, who also helped me out with something on book one. So like the um, the the human characters are actually references to people that we know, or one of them is a reference to one of Ben's characters in The Great Divide, a series that he wrote, um, that one I was not involved with, but he wrote this other series of comics called The Great Divide. And in that one, there's a scientist who uh, makes a, an appearance in the human notes in our book. Um, and, and the last one I'll shout out is one of the characters is named after my friend who is sadly now deceased, but was a great um, friend of mine for many years. So yeah, all the human characters are named after people they're not necessarily based on what those people are like in real life but by the way i know this came out in 2019 right mm -hmm. um you have a mention here on one of these I, I hope i can read it is it okay if i read it yeah yeah like one, okay so virology today scientists condemn creation oh. of deadly airborne flu virus <laughs> scientists have artificially recreated the deadly 1918 spanish flu strain by using reverse genetics to combine existing virus fragments uh blah 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 yada 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 what yeah. Yeah. So, first of all, Brilliant. I'm really sorry, everyone in the world. Um, no, actually, we have predicted several things that have happened in the world since we wrote these two books. So I've had friends say, why don't you just write that I'm a millionaire in the next book? Because, you know, and I was like, well, why don't I just write that I'm a millionaire? Yes, um, we did accidentally predict something <laughs> similar to the coronavirus pandemic. We did also reference a volcano erupting, which happened, uh, not the same volcano we referenced, but uh, thankfully, because that was the Yellowstone caldera and would wipe out two thirds of our country. Um, 
and we actually referenced the we predicted you know that big flood we had in dc that flooded out a bunch yeah. of like georgetown and uh there's a place called fletcher's cove that got flooded heavily and it was reported on in the news at the time and that's where the main um action takes place in the book that's what that's what the the, the hamsters are trying to stop from flooding in <laughs> book one i'm trying not to spoil everything but it's kind of hard to you know, so spoiler alert for people who might want to read the book first. But we um, we predicted the Fletcher's Cove flood and the coronavirus and <laughs> um, the the and Krakatoa you know erupted after we mentioned that uh, volcano eruption possibility. And then there's actually something in book two, which I'm not going to mention just because that's the newest book and it's you know it's just come out. But there's something that we had written in book two before it happened in real life or something similar to it. And uh, and we had already written it. It was already drawn by the time this thing happened. But um, sorry, guys. Don't really? apologize, man. That's the nature of sci-fi. I mean, you know, yeah, sci-fi is our dreams, our nightmares, uh, either, both. And like you've done exactly that. And it just shows how brilliant and how in tune you are with um, all of the important things right now. Well, I appreciate that. The really key, the key thing is um, we love weird science and we love reading about weird science. Um, and so a lot of that then makes its way or just, yeah, exactly what's happening, what could happen. And that really you've hit the, the nail on the head with like, that's what sci fi is about. And this is, you know, far from the only time that a, an author has written about something that somehow came to pass in some way. But I always find it very cool when that happens, um, although I would much have preferred that some of our predictions did not come true, obviously. Yeah. I mean, like, look at what's going on right now, because Hulu is doing, they're into season four, maybe season five, of The Handmaid's Tale. And, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. reading that book as a kid, I was like, man, this would be crazy if something like this happened. And then yeah. things like this sort of kind of start happening, and you're like, oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I read that scary. book for the first time in a political science course where it was taken both as a fictional book and as, a, you know, as a predictor of something that could happen in our society. And that was like 20 years ago. So, <laughs> I mean, she wrote it before that, but then I read it in college, you know, and so it's like these things could happen and people look at how societies develop and how science develops and all the things about the world. And then somebody writes a thing that we think at the time could be crazy and then it turns out maybe it's not so crazy after all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Um so to stay away from the handmaid's tale because it's depressing and oh. <laughs> <laughs> we wanna talk we wanna talk about this awesome book that you got going. MC, um did you have any questions for Emily specifically? Uh no, I don't have anything right now. Okay. Um I wanna know like when it when it comes to creating this this world that you have, I mean, and again too, like it's it's impressive because it's not just a surface level thing. I mean, it seems like every single detail has been thought out. Is this a sort of thing where you have the whole thing mapped out early on, or it's m mostly like, okay, here's the framework, and then as we get into it in into further detail, let's add a little bit more to it. Let's add a little bit more here. Like, how much of this has already been fleshed out, and how much of this is kind of like. Are you basically pulling a George Lucas and being like, oh, yeah, no, I had the whole story written the whole time. <laughs> and then like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a mix. It's definitely a mix. And any any creator will, uh, I'm sure, experience. Well, maybe not. Maybe there are some creators who map it out and it goes exactly the way they intended. But <laughs> I would guess like 99 percent of the time, that's not the case. So some things have never changed. Uh, the main characters were always hamsters. 
and the book titles are rooted in um I don't know, should I should I let people know where the book titles come from? I don't think I've ever told anyone this before. Mm. It's not a super spoiler secret. It's just Tell a us. reference. Okay, so you get special information. All right. You you get special information um or at least I'll give you a hint. The first book, if you go and you read um the fight song for the military unit that is based on water, uh, generally speaking, you may figure out where both book one and book two's titles come from. Um, so, so there are certain things that we had in our minds, either me or Ben or both of us or, you know, whatever amalgamation of us. Um, and so one of those things early on, I knew I wanted to do certain things with, with the way that the groups are, are developed. Um, and other things like the some of the science elements and different stuff like that just grew out of you know what we were looking into at the time so like certain animals that, um, or creatures that come in in book two we didn't have a plan for them to appear early on or anything like that but uh you know we knew that the whole world was open to the possibility of other intelligent creatures and that they would definitely intersect and then some of them that come in, it's like, oh, I really like this creature anyway. Like, in my life, I like this creature. Let's write about that, you know? Um, but other things were mapped out from the beginning. You build your worlds uh, in pieces. And, <laughs> like, Ben and I started out with really loose, fun ideas about, like, what if it was this? What if it was that? And then at some point it became we think it should be this, we think it's going to work like that, and then it solidified into the pitch, and then we pitched, and then we started writing book one, and we kept some percentage of, you know, what we thought it was going to be, and then some percentage just came into it. So we always knew that there was going to be, like, for instance, the Ruby character, who is the littlest hamster, the littlest hamster in the world! She's so cute, and I love her. And uh, she's one of the main characters that you see in book one. And um, like, we always knew there was going to be a Lilith hamster who wasn't exactly the best in the bunch at the things that she was expected to be the best at and that that was going to develop. And there were other things that, you know, like I, there's a character who's an engineer named Basie in, uh, in book one or Basie, depending uh, how you pronounce it. Um, and he's just, he's not, you don't see him a lot. He's not a main character, but I love him. I don't know why, I just do. Maybe it's how Michelle drew him and maybe it's the way that we made him as a character, just the way he interacts. Um, and you know, he wasn't in our, he, he might've been like a, a, a line in our, in our development, but he wasn't like a main, main thing. Um, so you get a lot of, you know, here's what the story is gonna be. And then when you sit down to write the story, your A plot might be the same, but your B, C, and D plots or, you know, different threads that go through might be totally different. And you might discover characters that you thought you were going to do one thing with become another thing. Definitely that happened with one of our characters from book one to book two. Uh, they became a different plot line than we thought they were going to be for sure. So, and better than we thought we were going to have. So that's the thing. It develops for the better when you work on it together and work on it more and, and you know, see where it's going. I love yeah. your description of your partnership because um, I think partnerships can be a hit or miss. But the fact that you guys, like you said, I think in the cold open, you guys pushed each other. And I think that's amazing, like that you guys were able to do that for each other. And the product, your books, your stories really show that and the fruits of that labor together. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're creating with people you're excited to create with, that's a good thing. Now, don't get me wrong, we fight sometimes, and we get frustrated <laughs> with each other sometimes, um, and that is fine, as long as we resolve it, you know, in a good in a good way. Conflict resolution can happen as long as you're good at conflict resolution in a healthy manner. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's great when you have an idea and the other person builds on it, or vice versa, and it it makes it more fun. And if you're not having fun, you shouldn't be creating because creation is such a, a deep and organic thing. You know, however, however it may eventually become commercialized or whatever, um, when you're creating something, you should care about it. And if you don't care about it, create something different, you know, like find something you actually care about. Um, so collaborating with someone who also has fun with it and is like excited about this idea becoming a different potentially better between the two of you idea is really fun. Now, when it came to finding your creative team, was it a matter of like shopping them or was this something, cause you, you'd mentioned that you and Ben had like discussed this before, that this was not something that was like a new conversation for the two of you, correct? Yeah, I mean, we found each other accidentally on the internet. Oh. <laughs> Not <laughs> okay. super accidentally. Um, I have a friend who's another great artist um, named Kevin Stokes, and he had done, uh, he's done some great, like, he, he does, he does, like, pieces of work here and there more than, like, a big stint on a book, so you might have a little difficulty finding a long run of his work, but he's got it on his website, and he's really talented. Um, and he had done the art for a miniseries Ben did called Splitsville. And Splitsville is a really cool concept about uh, the only superhero and the only supervillain in this entire fictional world that Ben created. And uh, it, they're the same person, but they don't know it. So it's this great, fun, weird little miniseries. And the art was really fun because Kevin is great at like uh, expressions and, and just, you know, art in general, but I love the way he does like facial expressions and stuff. And, uh, so Kevin had, had gotten a review copy for me, um, in my other work as a comics journalist, I was reviewing this, this work. And then I, you know, posted my review on Twitter and I tagged Ben and, uh, he then found my other Twitter account where I would tweet as my hamster. And he started talking to me as a hamster. And that is how we started developing this book. Um, that might be why it took several years, because at first it was literally just people talking on Twitter as hamsters. Um, yeah. You know, like um, you do then, yeah, on the weekends, you know. Yeah. Who doesn't, you know, just, who doesn't tweet as a hamster on the weekends, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. That's, I mean, obviously I will be, I am a hamster this weekend. So, you know. Um, and then, and then, as I had mentioned uh, earlier in the cold open, um, Michelle was someone who Ben had worked with before on the Grumpy Cat and Pokey comics, and um, she provided samples of her, you know, essentially it's the pitch art for the hamster, you know, design, etc. And Ben was already sold on her, of course, because he'd worked with her, and I wasn't not, but I'd just not seen her work. So, you know, she provided her ideas on on what it would look like and uh, different versions of those ideas so like the cutesy one the really realistic one and kind of the middle one which is where we landed and you know once i saw these designs i was like oh yeah this, this is great this is great she did like nine hamsters nine of the characters um wow so yeah maybe at some point we can have a print done which is like this little row of characters that she that she did for her pitch art um if i'm remembering correctly it was like yeah it was it was a few of them 
And so that's how we found Michelle. And then, um, you know, I already knew Tom for ages. We don't remember when we met. Um, and so uh, I knew that he, you know, he went to the Kubert School and he does, he, he creates and writes and draws his own comics like uh, Loving Capes and on Webtoon, uh, Cupid's Arrows. And um, so he, like lots of, lots of different stuff, um, Warning Label, uh, long distance, um, and he, he works on My Little Pony, and he's done some Star Trek stuff, but he also trained in, like, traditional lettering at the Kubert School, and now, of course, you know, can do digital as well. So we found him through, you know, knowing, me knowing that, um, and then our flatter, our color flatter is, is Michelle's husband, and so he basically was, you know, agreed to help out because flatting can take a lot of time and be somewhat tedious. Um, and then Eric Orchard, who worked on our first books, Maps, uh, Ben knew him through some other work. I don't remember how they knew each other, but um, so it was kind of like the team came together because so-and-so knew somebody's work, um, other than me and Ben, who met essentially on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That is a, I mean, that's a really cool, like, meetup story, though. Like, most of the time, it's like, oh, I know this person from this. And you're like, yeah, we decided to do a comic book because we both used to tweet to each other pretending to be hamsters. So, like, I mean, that's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's where we get this whole series of books from. <laughs> yeah. In, in a perfect world, is this just going to be a graphic novel series or are we talking like animated series because i could oh, yes yeah. please yeah <laughs> no, i no, definitely no. I read this love... and that's what i think yeah yeah i it was always designed so here's the thing uh our current uh commitment is to uh, a series of three books because that's generally you know when you when you go with a publisher you're not gonna pitch your publisher as a reasonably unestablished you know creative group on like 20 books in the series you're going to get you know one book to three books maybe um so we have a three book series and so this is the first two of the three books um in a world where people love this stuff enough we have enough ideas to get to about 10 books and um on top of that and some of that is already seeded into book two in such a way that it can just end or it can go further so there are pieces we are the people who are like, well, we're gonna throw this in there in the hopes that at some point we get to do even more stuff. But if we get three books, we get three books and it'll, it'll still work. Um, but it was also always designed in the sense that these would make great, in my head, seasons of an animated show. So book one could be the first season, book two could be the second season, etc. And so that, I would love to see that. Movies are also fun. But I love animated series shows. I love shows like Avatar The Last Airbender and other ones that have their own arc, but also play into the bigger world of the whole story. Um, so this, in, in I kind of say, and Ben also of course has his own influences and Michelle has hers, but in my development of things, I aim for this to be some Avatar The Last Airbender in world building but also overall plot arcs that make sense as a whole and in each individual season and also some firefly in the depth of the world building and the feeling you get when you're in that world um that's so perfect like what a perfect mix i i mean i feel yeah. like it. yes that's it's what i love and you should write what you love so <laughs> well i think it'll also work really well in my opinion just because you have the perfect mix of cute and fierce like yes. 
for for our radio audience, um, one of the characters is the fluffiest, most adorable, round-cheeked hamster, who is like a brute um, and acts as a bodyguard. And it's just like the the juxtaposition of those opposites just makes my heart bleed. And then of course the story is written so well and it's so um, gripping, like. You made me feel emotions, and I have a little grudge against you for that because I was feeling emotions by the end. Um, but it's just proof that your whole team is is flawless. I, I love it. I'm I'm so glad to hear that, and I know Ben and Michelle would be as well, and Tom, everybody, that the whole team would be um, super glad to hear that. Because the thing is, when you're in the middle of creating your thing, at some point, you feel certain things, but you have no idea anymore if you reading it as a new reader would feel those same things because you're so deep in it, you know? So like, there are certain yeah. things where I'm like, oh, this is totally how I would feel. And there's a part of my brain that's going, but, but does, is that, do, do I feel like other people anymore? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Cause these characters, <laughs> and also if you're a creator of, of characters and, and you know, the, the story, you know more about what you're doing and gonna do and what's in the background then you put on the page. And it's easy to forget that other people don't know all the rest of it and maybe they won't be so moved unless you drop certain other things in or whatever. So I'm very glad to hear that, thank you. So uh, Emily, what I wanted to do here, oh, I'm sorry, Mariah, did you have another question? No, I had a comment, keep going. <laughs> oh no, go ahead, because uh, we're basically gonna wrap up and then we're gonna have something, uh, something to talk about before we wrap up the show, so. Um, it's not that important. I was just going to complain that I had tears when I read it, and I don't like that. Like, I don't like feeling that much emotion, so there. It's not I, that important. What? If it's book one, there's there's one thing that everybody gets on us about that one. If it's in book one, I, I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. We won't mention it, but um, you're not the only one. Uh, but also, I had a mom uh, write to me and say that it opened up a great way to talk with her son about certain things, you know, so so like confronting issues and talking with them uh, with your children about them. Um, and that's another thing that uh, I will not to take up too much of, of the airtime when we have other topics to talk about, but I will say that I think it's really important not to write down to children because this is actually a middle grade series, but I would say like everyone from seven or eight and above can and could, you know, enjoy it and read it. Um, and I think it's important to, you know, I'm not like, oh, let's shove all these gritty dark things in your face at once kind of person. But I do think it's important to have real issues to and real stakes in, in, the, um, in the story and to trust that your readers, if they don't fully understand parts of it or, uh, you know, haven't dealt with it before, can can deal with it in the story realm. Um, and so I that yeah, there's some there's a few things in this in the stories that are a bit dark and they're dealt with, you know, and that's and that's part of the story we wanted to write, <laughs> even if it makes a couple people cry. Sorry. <laughs> what I wanted to ask um, is one again thank you for for your time because this you said you know i don't want to take too much of the time no this is your episode this is an episode oh, for you it. to talk about the things that that you want to tell everybody about your book and i think that that's very important but i also want them to get get to know the other the other side of of emily here because there's the um writer who created this amazing like world of 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 post-apocalyptic hamsters doing awesome things but also, too, there's the geeky nerdy side of Emily as well. And I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you some 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 quick fire geeky nerdy questions here sure. from stuff that we've been talking about on uh, on uh, at the diner. 
you've seen both at this point, I'm assuming, both uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and um, and WandaVision, correct? Yes, I have. Yes. Of the two, of the two, which one did you like more? Oh, no! No, they're <laughs> so the different! <gasps> do I have to just do yes or no, or can I talk about it? You can talk about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, okay. I'm going to tell you Wanda no, Vision. Emily. You're not allowed to talk about it. Come on. <laughs> well, I know. You know, I mean, I don't know if it was, like, just a binary or if I can chat. So, WandaVision, uh, to me, was the more whole story, but apparently there were parts of the Falcon and Winter Soldier story that were pulled because they referenced a, a, a manufactured pandemic. And so I understand that there were pieces missing from that story due to that. So part of it, uh, WandaVision, I thought, was very unique and very different from other things the MCU has done. And I just, I, it, so many clever references. It was a very, you know, a slow build in the beginning. We watched the first episode and we were like, we're not sure what's going on here, but we know we need to watch more of it to see what that's going to be kind of thing. And so it was just a completely different feel. I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on in it. I think the way that it deals with grief and different issues, um, some people have criticized and some people have lauded and it, there's a lot to unpack there. So that is its own entity to me that's really different from a lot of the stuff the MCU is doing, but not in a bad way, in an interesting and fun, not fun haha, but like fun, cool way. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is really interesting. The whole like new Captain America theme and then or thread the storyline and then, you know, Sam becoming uh, well, I don't are we spoiling things or not? I don't know. Yeah, no, you're, um, you're spoiling yeah, it. Yeah. OK, so, you know, Sam becoming the new Captain America at the end. I think, you know, everyone knows now because we know that the last bit said Captain America and the Winter Soldier, you know, so like that whole storyline is great. The way they're in, uh, in inspecting, you know, racial disparity in some of the story is great. The way that they have the John Walker thread going on. Oh my God, he's so odious. Um, you know, like so much stuff going on there. And then let's be real. I love Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier so much on a deep level. I just love that. I mean, everything they've done with him, he was one of my, I mean, I think both he and Anthony Mackie are, are fantastic as the two leads. Um, and I, I adore Sebastian Stan, Winter Soldier. So I can't pick. No, you can't make me. But uh, I love them both for different reasons. Fair enough. So when it comes to, and I'm trying to see when they're actually, when we're actually going to see the release, because I know we got a release set for, um, for Black Widow. Oh, we do. Okay, we do have a release for uh, Shang Chi. Okay. I just this morning watched the trailer where they have all the dates laid out, and I'm so psyched. <laughs> yeah. Is there is there one? I know, because honestly, the answer for me is like, give it to me buffet style. I will enjoy all of it. But, like, is there one of the new slate that's coming up within the next, we'll say the next year or two, that you are just like, this is the one that I cannot wait for. This is the one that I've been, like, anxiously awaiting. Yeah, I mean, they're all going to be cool. And just having watched this morning, I saw, like, the, the part for the Eternals. I was like, oh, I didn't even remember that that one was coming out, but this looks interesting. You know, so there's parts of it where I had forgotten that they were on the slate and I see it and I'm like, oh, okay, okay. But, um... I think the highlights for me, uh, Shang-Chi, I really am interested in that. I want to see um, uh, Simu Liu, I think, is uh, the main actor for that, yes. who was in Kim's Convenience. Uh, and he was great in Kim's Convenience. And I, I Yeah, think, I love that show. Yeah, and he's super excited about being uh, in the new, in the, in the Marvel Universe now. And I've been enjoying his delight on Twitter of that. And, you know, it is important to see 
Asian representation on screen in, you know, positive ways or nuanced ways or all kinds of ways. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. I definitely want to see the crazy Doctor Strange, whatever is going to happen there. Um, that's going to be a trip. I love, I am not, I was not a Benedict Cumberbatch on screen fan before uh, Doctor Strange. I thought he had a great radio voice. I thought he was kind of, I, it, it probably Sherlock put me off because um, I'm not, I don't love that version of Sherlock as much as other people do. As a Sherlockian, I just have issues. Um, but I loved him in Doctor Strange. I love him in the MCU. I'm super excited to see what the heck that is. And the Ant-Man and Wasp uh, Quantumania, is that what it's called? Quant yeah, I think so. Um, I, I really like their pairing. I like um, uh, Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp, um, and obviously Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, but like, I really want to see what's going to happen with that. And the Quantum Realm stuff is really fascinating to me. Uh, I don't understand some of it, so, <laughs> but it's really <laughs> fascinating. Um, and then, of course, Wakanda Forever. I mean, come on, yeah, right? Of like, course. I'm interested in Black Widow. I'm interested in Eternals. I, oh, and I definitely want to see, what is it, Spider-Man No Way Home? No, is that what it's, yep. No Way Home? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I want to see them all, but there's some highlights of why I want to see those ones, because, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like I said, buffet style. I Just all of it. Give it all to mm -hmm. me in, in whatever order you want to give it to me. Yes. So I wanted to give you a chance, again, tell all the folks where they can find all of your wonderful, uh, the underfoot uh, wares, like if their own set of hamster ears and stickers and books, like where can they get all of the cool stuff that you are making? Yeah, um, so the website is T-H-E-E-M-I-L-Y-E-S-S-E, -S -S -E, the Emily S, where the S is spelled E-S-S-E, dot -S -S -E, com. And you can click on the store link from there and it's got the books. It's got book plates that are um, coming to us soon. They're signed by uh, me, Ben, Michelle and Tom. So the main team members of the creation of the books um, and they're, they're different themed. You'll see if you go on the website. So they have different styles for the two books, which I love to do themed things and, and fun stuff like that. Um, there's like stickers, there's buttons, there's hamster ears in seven different colors of hair or fur. Um, and of course the books themselves, if you get from my website, I will sign them. You can have them personalized to somebody, um, you know, all that good stuff. And um, then on all social media, I'm also at the Emily E-S-S-E, like T-H-E-E-M-I-L-Y-E-S-S-E. -E -E. So people can follow me there, say hi, ask me nerdy things, chat about hamsters, whatever people want to do. <laughs> well, Emily, again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Guys, check out her website again. It's uh, theemilyesse.com. You definitely want to take a look there at all the things, uh, the underfoots that you can get your hands on. Uh, for all of us here at the Great Geek Refuge, that's going to be MC Brooks. That's going to be James Rambo, who's out this week. Uh, for Mariah Beachboard, for all of us here, thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, for making this podcast what it is today. We appreciate you so very much. Remember, stay safe, keep wearing your masks, keep getting those vaccines, keep washing your hands. And remember, together, there are no heights that we can't reach. I love that. Thank you for having me on here. Of course, of course. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> yeah, boy!
Oh, put one of those hash browns at the end, you know, like hash brown team Cobra Kai or something. And then send it to the internet!